Hey everyone, welcome to the Promise Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Promise Church. And to see what else is going on around here at Promise, please visit us at mypromisechurch.com. We hope this message you're about to listen to ministers to you and changes your life. Enjoy. that up to him one more time. Come on, let's give him a shout of praise. I believe the Lord's in the house today. I believe he hears you right where you're at. Come on, somebody let him know. Jesus, you've done too much for me. I cannot tell it all, but I just say thank you, Jesus. Come on, I just say thank you, Jesus. I just say thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah! 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 I feel the glory of the Lord is in the house. I feel the glory of the Lord in the house. This is a place of healing, a place of salvation, it's a place of strength. I believe anything that you need today can be found in the house of God and in the presence of God. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. I believe God's here to speak to us today. I appreciate this worship team. Appreciate everybody that's led us to this moment from the parking lot to the booth. Uh, those that have led us in giving and prayer and worship. And now it's my job to lead us into the word and I'm grateful to do so. I believe God has a word for you today. And if you would stand with me, I know worship has put us different places in the round the room. Stand with me though. I love that. You're always allowed to get out of your seat in worship. I'll tell you, you're also allowed to sit with me on the front row. Sometimes my wife and I get lonely up there. I don't know. I see this, the front row this way is all full. But then, like, I appreciate Isaiah and Mark sitting with us today. I think sometimes people think, we can't, if we sit with the pastor, he's going to, I don't know, going to make us worship or something. I don't know. Um, I'm glad that you're with us. Yeah, yeah Dee Dee's all right. Jump over there. I love this verse right here. So stand with me. I'll read here. Um, Ecclesiastes 8 and 15. And here's what it says, and I'd love it if you just read it with me, because I, I, it's amazing to me. I love this, this passage. Uh, it's one of my favorite passages now. So the prophet says to God's people, so I commend the enjoyment of life. All right, everybody read it with me now. So I commend the enjoyment of life, because there is, say it now, nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat, drink, and be glad. Now, that means y'all can go out to eat after church today, and you are in the will of God. All right? If you got something in the crock pot, eat it, drink it, and be glad, and you are in God's will. I got one. I got two. <laughs> and if you'll do that, it, 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 this is an if-then, or a so-then statement. So, I commend then this is what will happen. Joy will accompany them 
in their toil, in their struggle, in their work, in their pain. Joy will accompany them all. Now here's the promise. Joy can go with you. It can accompany you all the days of the life God has given you under the sun. I love this passage. I think it's amazing. I bet some of y'all did not know this was in the Bible. I'll tell you why. Because the King James uses this old English word that I had to look up. It's mirth. Mirth. Now, people are nodding their head like they know this word. I wish I would have asked you yesterday if you knew this word. Mirth means to joyously laugh until you're shaking uncontrollably. Now, when I read it, I'm thinking frankincense, gold, and myrrh. But that's a totally different story in the Bible. Mirth. So in the King James, it says, so I commend mirth of life. But let me read it to you in a modern translation. I don't always use these modern translations, but I like it today. So allow me to read it. It's New Living Translation. So I recommend having fun because there is nothing better for people in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. That way they will experience some happiness along with the hard work God gives them under the sun. You know, I, uh, I thought about this. I want to do, I'm excited because in, we got three weeks left in July. I'm going to preach three messages that are connected called On the Journey. And then we're going to go into really what I believe is going to be a very fruitful season for our church. Uh, we've come through 18 months of, of chaotic stuff and everybody knows what's been going on in our world over the last year plus now. But I believe there's been a lot of sowing seeds I believe the church has been blessed and grown. God has added to the church over these last 18 months. And, and when we get into the fall time, I believe it's going to be a very fruitful, fruitful season. I was, my heart was lifted because last Sunday was literally July 4th. It was literally the holiday. And this place was packed. We only did one service. And the place was packed. They brought in chairs. They brought in like 25 chairs during service. I got up to preach and I saw them rushing around with chairs in the back. It was front to back, left to right full on a holiday, which is, which is a major blessing. And it just reaffirmed some things in my spirit that we were doing the right thing, staying with the two services. Even today, we had one service, two services, full right here in the second service. Uh, and I just believe there's going to be a tremendous harvest that's going to come in the fall season. I want you to mark all of the Sundays in August because we're going to do a 21-day, really just focus on faith, prayer, and just the, the harvest that God is bringing us. And then that last Sunday, we're going to open up our life groups. And so I'm really looking forward to that. But the next three weeks, I'm going to talk to you about on the journey. How many have ever gone on a trip and you forgot something? Now me, I, I, every time I forget something, I pack quickly. My wife, she's packing a week in advance. She's, she's blessed and highly favored. I throw some things in a bag, and then when I get there, I'm looking for Walmart, CVS, Walgreens, Wawa, because I forgot a bunch of stuff. Inevitably, when I go on a trip, I forget my contact vials. The first night, I don't even realize it until I go to, to bed to take them out, and I realize I don't have contact stuff, and then the next day, I have to go buy it. But I'm going to tell you that the prophet is telling you here, let joy accompany you all the days of your life. I want to preach to you joy on the journey. Turn to somebody, say, have joy. Turn to your second favorite neighbor and say, on your journey. You can be seated. God bless you. Some things you want to pack in your bag, and I believe joy is one of them. You know, in the Old Testament, there was mandatory times of feasting, celebrating, festivals, Holidays, 
holy days. That's where we get the word holiday from, holy days. They were mandated. These feasts were like giant outdoor parties. And no matter how busy you were or what mood you were in, or what was going on in your life, or how busy you were, the celebration feast, the party, the festival, it was not optional. It's, it wasn't like you could say, Lord, I, I'm just going to skip the festival this year. Uh, I'm going to just stay home. You, you couldn't say that. You couldn't say, Lord, I'm going to just stay in the field and keep working. Uh, the festival was imposed upon you. The celebration was imposed upon you. It was mandatory according to God's command. In the days of Nehemiah, people who were working hard to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, the temple and the walls, uh, this is the context of Nehemiah chapter 8. And I'm going to read it to you. It says, Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. He was on some sort of platform or stage. And as he opened it, opened the book, the people all stood up. If you ever wonder why we stand for the reading of the word in church, it was a custom of God's people that when God was speaking to them through his word, that the people would stand up and add attention and in reverence for the word of God. And as Ezra is reading the book, he sa- he, it says, verse 6, Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and they responded, let me try that again. And the people lifted their hands, and they responded, and I love that. I love that it was a noisy church. As somebody that stands up here, I love that it was an interactive church. I love that it was an expressful church, a joyful church, a celebratory church. I just believe church ought to be that way. It ought to be alive. It ought to have some passion when the word of God is preached. And it said they read, in verse 8, it said they read from the book of the law of God, making it clear, giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. That is my job, and I, I want you to understand it. And when you grab a hold of the word, it, it, people were getting excited about it. It was bringing hope. It was bringing life. It was bringing joy into their life. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and teacher of the law and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them, this is a holy day to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Notice he says, this is a holy day. Don't mourn today. This is a holy day. Uh, I want to just remind you that this is a holy day. This is the Lord's day. This is the day the Lord has made. This is a day that we've gathered in God's house. And so set aside the morning today. It said in verse 10, Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drink and send some of those to those uh, send some to those who have nothing prepared this day is holy to our lord here it is again do not grieve and i want you to get a hold of this today for the joy of the lord i want you to get a hold of this today for the joy of the lord is your strength Get it out deep in your spirit today. The joy of the Lord, it is your strength. And so he's telling them, this is a holy day. Set aside your sorrow. Set aside your burdens. I know you've all got them. But this is the Lord's day. I want to remind you on the first day of the week, 
We are here in God's house. It's the Lord's day. I know you're fighting stuff, but set it aside and come into the presence of God. I know there's toil in your life, but set it aside and restore the joy of the Lord in your spirit. We are commanded to rejoice in it. We are commanded to lay aside the heaviness and celebrate the day of the Lord. I think when we think holy, we think quiet. Quiet. I like this microphone when it fits me because I can whisper and y'all hear me. Quiet. When we hear holy, we think quiet. We think reverent. We think internal. We think go low. We think bow down. There's certainly a moment and a time for that. But the prophet here is saying just the opposite. He's saying it's a holy day. Let's stand up. Let's lift our hands. Let's say amen. Let's eat some good food and have good fellowship in the church basement. We don't have basements in Florida. In the church in the church life center. Let's have some good food and good fellowship. Let's celebrate. It's God's holy day. The prophet didn't ask him, are you in the mood to celebrate? He didn't ask him, are you busy? Because if you could maybe kind of work it out in your schedule a little bit, we could, do you have space on your calendar? No, he says, hey, this is what we're doing. It's a holy day. We're going to celebrate and we are going to have joy. I know that we all fight and toil through stuff, but I want you on Sunday in God's house for a moment to set aside every sorrow, to set aside all of those things and set aside the heaviness and say, Lord, one more time, I'm going to choose joy. One more time, restore the joy of my salvation. One more time, I need strength for the journey because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Ecclesiastes 8.15, he says, this is the prophet, he said, uh, so I commend the enjoyment of life, notice it now, because there is nothing better. Nothing better. Can I just tell you, there is nothing better than to add joy on your journey. There's nothing better than having joy in your marriage. There's nothing better than having joy in your family. There's nothing better than having joy in your home. There's nothing better than having joy when you eat. There's nothing better than having joy on the job. There is nothing better than what you could add to whatever you're going through, whatever you're doing, than to add joy. Have you ever noticed that the enemy wants to rob your joy even from joyous things? I mean, I understand he can rob joy from my toil, but he can rob joy from joyous things. I remember when Christina and I were saving up for our house, uh, we, we, were, we, we did the Dave Ramsey plan and, and we were getting out of debt and saving money and doing all of that stuff. Shout out to Dave Ramsey. Uh, and and, and we, we saved our down payment and we bought a house and it was so exciting. Yennefer, she's a realtor. If you need a realtor, uh, if we, I just looked out and saw that. That wasn't in my notes. But I, uh, <laughs> we, we bought a house and I was so excited and, and then... We'd been in an apartment complex for like six or seven years. And about two weeks into the house, I, I noticed that the yard is getting real high. And there's weeds and there's bushes. And I remember in the apartment complex, there was a guy that cut the grass every week. There was a guy that trimmed the hedges every week. There was people spraying the weeds. And then I realized, I am that guy now. 
I remember my wife coming to me. This was a, it was a 30-some-year-old house, and she, she'd tell me, hey, this isn't working right. And my inclination was to call the apartment maintenance guy. And I realized, I am the maintenance guy. <laughs> and and, and if we're not careful, the joy can be zapped out of those things. I remember when, when we had our first child, it was so exciting and the anticipation of the pregnancy and so joyful and, and, and our parents came into town and we were in the hospital so joyful and we, we had our firstborn son, Elijah. But I remember when we were buckling him in, I'll never forget, I was buckling him into the back seat of my car and all of a sudden this heavy weight of responsibility hit me. And I had the hospital worker over my shoulder making sure I was buckling him in right and doing everything right. And all of a sudden, the responsibility of being a father hit me. And I thought, I can't, I can't roll through stop signs anymore. I can't speed anymore. I'm going to have to drive in the right lane. I have, I have a little child that, is, is, that, that I'm responsible for and I have to protect him and I have to provide for him. And all of a sudden the joy began to wane because now I'm thinking, how am I going to do all of that? And I tell you that if we're not careful, the enemy can rob your joy as the, all the toil comes. The blessing can be robbed. But that's why the prophet said, I know you got toil. I know you got work. I know you got responsibilities. I know you got things. But let joy come along with all of that. Don't ever forget, let joy be in the trouble. Let joy be in the responsibility. Let joy be in the struggle. Take joy with you. I remember, you know, I know that when people first get saved and they first come to the Lord, there's such a joy to be in the house of God. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. But I know that people, when they walk in with the Lord for a little while and the years go by, that it becomes a routine. It's Sunday morning. Got to get my dress shirt on. Sunday morning. Got to get my my, my, my pants ironed up or whatever it is. Sunday morning, and, and the joy gets zapped out of it. You know, the enemy would love nothing more than to take your joy for the for house of God because it's in the presence of God that your joy is renewed and your joy is restored. I, I remember Moses said, Lord, I love you, but your people... The people you gave me, God. <laughs> you ever felt that way? <laughs> I've heard Christians say, I love God, but I don't always love his people. But you know that's a vice from the enemy? Because I ought to love God. I ought to love God's house. I ought to love God's people. And I ought to have joy in it all. Because I'm not perfect, and they're not perfect, but we're all on a journey together, and i got to have joy in it. That's why the prophet said, in the middle of your toil, make sure that joy accompanies you. In all of your efforts, make sure joy accompanies you. That's why uh, Tom really hit on it during the offering. You know, we're told to cheerfully give. It matters how we give. We give cheerfully. We give joyfully. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves somebody that serves with joy, serves with gladness, serves with happiness. That's the kind of thing God wants. It said in Psalm 101, uh, chapter or Psalm 100, verse number 2, it said, Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with a joyful song. 
So I'm not just supposed to come in and be like, yeah, I know when to raise my hand. <laughs> Annette raised her hand right there. I'm going to raise my hand at that time. Okay, this is the time you raise your hand. No, it's supposed to be with gladness. I'm not supposed to just say the words that are on the screen. I'm supposed to sing a joyful song. Sing a joyful song unto the Lord. It matters how you serve God. You know, companies and corporations have realized that if their employees are having fun in the workplace, that they'll work harder, they'll stay longer, they'll get along better. And I thought of this in the context of the house of God. God has given us all a work to do. And we have an opportunity and a responsibility to be His hands and His feet, for this house to be a house of love, compassion, joy, salvation, healing, strength, all of those things. And I'll tell you, many people are waking up on a Sunday morning and the weight that you're carrying from the week is so heavy and the challenge is such a big burden that you bring it into the house and it's impossible for you to sing with joy because the burden is so heavy. But I'll tell you, it's not God's plan for you to carry that burden all alone. He said, my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light because joy is accompanying everything that you're carrying. And so, yeah, I've got some trouble in my sack. I've got some stresses in my bag, but joy is in there too. Let joy accompany everything that you're carrying. I feel it today. You know, I think that sometimes we just, we sit back and we say, Lord, okay, I just need zapped with that joy lightning bolt that you got for me. Come on, somebody help uh, it, but how many know that joy is a fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Um, I missed a couple there. But, but joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Now, fruit needs cultivated. Isn't that right? It doesn't just pop off the tree. Fruit needs cultivated. And the, joy of the, the fruit of the Spirit is the same way. I don't just automatically have love and joy. They have to be cultivated sometimes. And so, so I, I, have to, I have to allow that joy to spring up. I have to make a decision, Lord, yeah, I'm carrying some things, but I'm going to make sure joy is being carried too. So I just tell you, let's have joy in the house today. Let's have joy when we serve. Let's have joy when we worship. Let's have joy in our family. Let's have joy, because there's nothing better you can add than joy. How many say amen to that? You know, we had a funeral this week uh, with the church for a church member, Blanca Santos. And, and um, you might know the family. Uh, I'm sure you do. We love the Santos family. And, and uh, Pastor and his wife, Santos, they pastored in Deltona um, uh, for 30, almost 40 years. And, um, and, and she passed this week. And, and she'd been ill, and, and uh, she passed this week. I, I had a moment with Pastor Santos at the cemetery there. Uh, they had faithfully pastored for many years, and, and he's been with us here uh, for a number of years now since he retired. And I had a moment with him at the cemetery as we were walking away uh, from the graveside. I, I just grabbed his neck, and I, and I hugged him close, and I, and I gave him a, a real strong hug. And I said, I said, brother, you know God is with you, and you know that there's grief right now. And I said, weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I said, there's going to be joy. There's going to be strength, there's going to be peace, and it's on the way. And, and I didn't tell him anything that he hasn't probably preached a hundred times. He'd preached for 30, 40 years. And, and as we ended the embrace, I just looked at him and I said, you know what, and you know I'm here for you. 
I said, you know, you can call me at midnight. You know what I'm here for. I said, and, and I said, and let's, let's, go grab, let's go grab something to eat next week. And, and I saw a little smile, a little half smile creep across his face. Because all of a sudden there's hope. All of a sudden there's something to look forward to. And, and, and I grabbed a hold of that moment and I said, maybe we could go to Burger King. Because I knew that was his favorite place. And all of a sudden, it's not just a half smile, it's a full smile. And I said, like a Whopper. I said, I'll buy, because I know he loves Whoppers. Now he's laughing, and he says, you better make it with extra onions. <laughs> and, and how is that happening? How is it that there's laughter in a cemetery? How is it that there's laughter in a graveyard? Now, I'm not, I'm not crazy. It didn't wipe away all of his pain. It didn't wipe away all of his hurt. It, it didn't erase all the grief. But what is it? It's joy with the toil. It's laughter with the grief. It's joy with the pain. It's joy with the struggle. It's joy with the hurt. It's joy in the storm. It's joy in the valley. And that's what the prophet is talking about here. Because if we're not careful, we'll talk about how heavy the thing is, how bad the problem is, how bad the season is, how bad everything is. But I've come to tell you that the strength that God has for you is the joy of the Lord. And I'll just tell you, the harder that life is, the more important it is to laugh, to smile, to have joy. Proverbs 17, tells us that a cheerful heart is good medicine. Other translations have translated it that laughter is good medicine for the soul. And that's not just a nice little scripture. It's actually one of the lots of times that the scripture is confirmed by medicine and science. We know that we know now, uh, I don't know that Solomon knew this, but we know now that laughter lowers blood pressure. Laughter reduces stress hormones. Laughter gets your adrenaline flowing. Do I have any doctor or any medical folks in the house? Mark, help me there. Am I telling the truth? Laughter gets your adrenaline flowing. Laughter increases immunity. We all needed that last year. We should have been laughing some more. And it reduces endorphins that create a feeling that everything is going to be all right. And here's another beautiful thing. Laughter is contagious. So you pass it on. Have you ever come up on people and they're laughing? You don't even know why they're laughing, but it just gets to you. They're laughing so good that it's funny to you. You start laughing. You don't even know why everybody's laughing because laughter is contagious. Have you ever laughed and said, wow, I needed that? Because laughter is medicine. It's medicine for your soul. Joy is your strength. It's powerful. It's fuel for your journey. And so when you get burdened, when you get discouraged, the first thing the enemy wants to rob from you is your joy. He wants you to, be, to take your joy because if he can take your joy, he'll take your strength. How many have ever been in a place where you're beginning to be discouraged and beginning to be downcast and you think, I don't deserve to smile right now. I'm not even going to let myself laugh because I'm in a bad mood. And I don't know if it's your flesh or I don't know if it's the enemy, but they team up against you to rob your joy. And it's the first thing the enemy wants to take from you. And I'll tell you, the first thing you need for your comeback is to get your joy back because it's your strength for your journey. Somebody ought to say today, I'm getting my joy back. I'm getting my laugh back. I'm getting my praise back. I'm getting it all back. It's my joy. 
I'll tell you the first thing that you ought to have is a cheerful joy on your face. And I know that sounds funny because sometimes people think I can't help my face, but I'm going to help you here. Proverbs 15 and 30. It says, what's that old thing? I didn't say that in the first service. What is that old thing? It takes like 13 muscles to smile. It takes like 80 to frown or something like that. Uh, Proverbs 15.30 tells us a cheerful look brings joy to the heart. Now, see, I would think it would be that it would be flipped. Joy in the heart brings a cheerful look. But notice that's not what it says. It says a cheerful look brings it to my heart. There's something about physiology that, that changes my mood. If I walk around like this, I start feeling like this. If I walk with my shoulders back in a smile, I start feeling like that. And if I just make my mind to smile, all of a sudden joy comes into my heart. And you say, well, I can't help my face. I, I'm not going to smile if it's fake. But how many parents have ever told your kids, get that look off of your face right now? Come on, I better have some parents in the house. You can change your face. Recently, I came home. I, I, I did not clear this illustration with my wife, but she heard it in the first service. Recently, I came home from working at church, and uh, the boys were playing, and, and I greeted them, and, and I said, hey, buddies, how you doing? Da, 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 da. And, and we, we had a moment there, and I said, where's your mom at? And they said, well, she's, she's in her room with the door shut. I said, what, what's going on? What's wrong? Because I'm thinking they'd been bad or something. Maybe they were. I don't know. And I said, well, what's going on? What's wrong? And they said, we don't know, but she has a mad face. And I'm no better because when we started doing pictures for social media all the time, they would take pictures of me preaching and I would look like this and I would look like this and I would think, oh, good Lord, these poor church folks have to look at me with these contorted, angry faces all Sunday, every Sunday. God bless these precious people. And I'd try to make a concerted effort to smile when I'm preaching the word of God, because it is joyful, and it is a blessing, and it is good, and there is love, and there is peace. There's, there's this cafe that I like to escape to sometimes. If the office is busy, I'll take my planner, my Bible, or whatever, and, and one day, and, and they know me in there, and one day I was just kind of in my, in my zone, and I'm in the corner booth just kind of writing and, and doing some stuff, and, and the manager that I know there, he come up to me, he goes, he goes, Ryan, is everything okay? You all right? And I'm looking around like, is he talking to me? And he's, was the food okay? Is the coffee okay? I'm like, yeah. Did somebody say it wasn't? He goes, no, I just, you just didn't look like yourself today. <laughs> and I, th I thought, I spent the next few minutes trying to convince him, no, I'm okay. The coffee's okay. The eggs were all right. I'm all right. God's still on the throne. It's Okay. But I had some look on my face like I wasn't okay. And, and sometimes we've got to be intentional about putting that cheer, that joy of the Lord on our face. Abraham Lincoln, he was a man who was melancholy in nature. He was, of course, leading the country through a very difficult time. And on a few occasions, he was actually criticized by the papers. Uh, there was a headline one time that read, President Laughing in Time of War. That was the headline. The story went on to tell the public how he was laughing around a campfire, and that just should not be 
during a time of war. When it all came out and he was questioned about it, he quoted Proverbs 17.22, loosely of course, and said, laughter is good for the soul like medicine. He actually did this on purpose. He would visit battle sites and he would gather these young men around the campfire that are fighting this awful battle. They're seeing carnage day in and day out. And the President of the United States would tell them jokes. And then he would ask them to tell them his, their best joke. What was he doing? He was bringing laughter to the battle. He was bringing joy to the battle line. He was bringing joy and cheer into the fight. I want to tell you today, you ought to bring laughter to your battle. You ought to bring joy to the, to the fight. You ought to bring that. Somebody just ought to insert that in their, in their battle today and say, yeah, I'm fighting some things. I've got some toil in my life, but joy is coming with me. Joy's coming with me. That's all right. Amen. Joy's coming with me. Joy's coming with me. You know, I grew up going to kids' church, and I'm grateful for it. It's a blessing. I can't read this verse, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I can't read that without that kid's song getting in my head, and I sing that song. I see Michelle on my left-hand side. Her mom was my Sunday school teacher when I was growing up. And so I need to ask your mom. I need to ask your mom if she sang this song. And I'm not going to do that great, but if you know it, I want you to sing it with me. The, and and uh, every time I read that, that verse, I think of that little kid song, The joy of the Lord is my strength. You know that one? The joy of the Lord is my strength. And then the verse goes like this. If you want joy, you must sing for it. If you want joy, you must clap for it. If you want joy, you must dance for it. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You guys know that? How many know that? You guys know that? All right, let's do it one more time because I, I think you all can sing it better than me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. If you want joy, you must sing for it. If you want joy, you must clap for it. If you want joy, I know I messed it up, dance for it. The joy of the Lord is my strength. See, that's why they don't let me work in kids' church. <laughs> but I want to tell you, it's true today. What the Bible is telling us is if you'll change your face, joy will come into your heart. If you'll clap your hands, joy can come in your heart. If you'll lift your hands, joy will come in your heart. If you'll sing a joyous song, joy will come to your heart. Sometimes, too many of y'all sit back and come to church with a frown and your arms crossed and you say, God, I'm waiting on you to zap me with that joy lightning bolt. And God is saying, look, you stand up, you sing, you worship, you clap, you dance, you jump, and all of a sudden, the joy of the Lord begins to hit you, and you say, oh, God's been too good for me to sit quiet. I've got to sing a joyful song and make a joyful noise to the Lord. Let's do that this morning. Make a joyful noise. The second thing I love about joy is that there can be an undisturbed joy in your heart. And this is where I want to teach today. Ecclesiastes 8.15, the, the, the second half of that verse then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of their life, life that God's given them under the sun. 
The prophet said, joy will accompany your toil. I think sometimes as preachers, we can give the misguided idea that if you come to the Lord, everything's going to be easy. And I do believe it's easier. He said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And there's blessing walking with God. But how many know that it rains on the just and the unjust, righteous and the unrighteous? And so the prophet here is not in denial that there's hard work, that there's toil. He's conceding the fact that there's tough days, hard days, things you're going to have to fight through, things you're going to have to work through, things you're going to have to push through, and things you're going to have to pray through. But in all of those things, joy can accompany it. You don't have to carry that without joy. Those things do not have to rob your joy, but in fact, you must make sure you have joy to carry through all of those things. James chapter 1 tells it this way. He says, consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, no matter what kind of trial, no matter what kind of test, no matter what kind of struggle, no matter what kind of pain, consider it all pure joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I'm on verse 3, verse 4. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. James says, I don't care what it is count it joy. I don't care what it is, carry joy with it. I don't care what it is, make sure you bring joy with it all. Paul said in in Philippians, he said, I don't know why I'm still in chains. I didn't think I'd still be in chains in this point. I'm still in prison. I, I, I didn't mean to be here this long. I don't understand it all, but I've still got joy in prison. If you can have joy in all things, joy in prison, you can have joy in a pit, joy in a palace, joy, it don't matter where you are, you can have joy. Why? Jesus said it this way when he was talking about the branches in the vine. He said, if I'm in you and you are in me, he said, verse 11, I've told you all this, uh, John 15, 11, I've told you all this so that joy might be in you and your joy may be complete. He says that, that my joy, notice it's Jesus' joy that is in you. And if Jesus' joy is in you, now you're complete no matter what else you might be lacking. The joy of the Lord is in you. If you remain in Him, He remains in you. And His joy is in you when you are in Him him so it doesn't matter if you're in prison I'm in him it doesn't matter if I'm in the valley I'm in him it doesn't matter if I'm in the storm I'm in him it doesn't matter if I'm in a hurting place I'm in him it doesn't matter if I'm in a tragedy if I'm in a setback if I'm in loss if I'm in poverty I'm in Jesus and if I'm in Jesus I'm in joy. I have the joy of the Lord in my soul. You know, uh, if, if Jesus' joy is in us, then it doesn't matter what happens on earth because the joy didn't come from earth. It came from heaven. And so anything that happens on earth cannot disturb the joy that God put in my heart Because the joy didn't come from this world. And if it didn't come from anything that happened in this world, then nothing that happens in this world can take away the joy that God put in my heart. And that's why it's undisturbed. You know, I think a lot of people talk about joy, but they don't understand true joy. 
Most of the time when they're talking about joy, they really mean happiness. We are happy when good things happen. It's the same word. We're happy when good things happen. But unlike joy, happiness is dependent upon what happens. Joy is not dependent upon what happens. Because joy did not come from anything that happened. I could be happy that I won the lottery because it happened. I can't be happy about a tragedy that happened in my life. But I can have joy. Joy is much deeper. Joy is much richer. Joy is much stronger. Joy is undisturbed. Joy didn't come from this world. Joy came from Jesus. And no matter what happens around me, I have joy. He said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Not the joy of this time, not the joy of this season, not the joy of what happened, because joy isn't connected to the time, the season, or what happened. Joy came from the Lord. And because joy is not determined from what I possess in this world, joy is determined from an almighty God. And I'm just thinking out loud here today, but if Jesus is the same, yesterday, today, and forever, it don't matter what happened yesterday, today, or tomorrow. The joy come from Jesus. So no matter what economy, what happens, what struggle, what toil, what setback, what bubble pops, it don't matter what happens, joy came from the Lord. And so it's in my heart, it's in my soul, and it's dependent on an eternal, unchanging, loving Savior, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, my heavenly Father. It's not dependent on anything that would happen on this earth. Somebody give God a great praise right there. The joy that he put in your soul is undisturbed. It's undisturbed. Music come. I got to close. Last thing I want to tell you. Preach with me and I'll close quick. That was my teaching, but I want to preach for a minute here. Praise filled joy in your mouth. You know, it said in Psalm 101, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. We are told to make a joyful noise to the Lord. Now, praise is different than worship. Praise is a joyful noise. The Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. It said, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with singing. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Come into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. And, and I've been praying as we've been coming through this season, and I've been praying, God, what does your church need? What does your church need to hear? It's summer. It's, it's, it's summertime. What, what, what do we need to hear? And I just felt this in my spirit this week that God's people need to praise. Because my praise offsets the heaviness of my life. And praise, remember, this praise, this, it brings about joy. I'm going to praise in joy before I feel the joy, and it brings the joy. We established that already? So praise is not silent. Praise is loud. 
Praise is celebratory. Praise is festive. I did a deep dive on this a month or so ago, so I don't want to tonight, today. But praise is about God, and worship is to God. So here's, here's what that means. I can praise you, and I could say, I could say, Lewis, that was a great job, and I could praise him. I can say, what God did for me was, was great and mighty and awesome. But I can't worship Lewis. I can't have any other gods before him. He's a jealous God. So I worship him only. I believe worship can be reverent. It can be silent. It can be, it can be a, a, a bowed knee. It can be a bowed head. It can, it can, worship can be, can be only vertical. But praise is, is a declaration. I'm saying something about God. I might be saying it to him, but I'm saying it about him. And so that's this kind of the difference between worship and praise. When we come in here to worship, sometimes there's worship songs that's just, show me your glory. Um, heavy, heavy hearts, we bow down. Show me your glory. It's very worshipful. We sang a song earlier that was very praise-oriented. Um, we praise, we praise your name, your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. You are worthy, you are worthy of our praise, of our praise. Have you ever had somebody brag about you? Say, Lewis, that was a great job. And I tell somebody else, Lewis did a great job. Didn't he do a great job? Lewis did a great job. Vanessa did a great job leading us in prayer. Didn't she do a great job, Lewis? Vanessa did a great job. And it feels good when somebody gives you a compliment like that, right? The Lord wants that kind of praise as well. And praise is a declaration. And praise tells other people how good he is. But it also reminds me how good he is. And sometimes my joy is restored by telling myself again, God, you've been so good. Lord, you found me when I was down and out. Lord, you picked me up when I was lost. Lord, you saved my soul. Lord, you forgave me of my sin. And somebody around me might hear me say it, but I hear me say it. Lord, you're a good God. Lord, you healed my body. Lord, you saved my sin-sick soul. Lord, you gave me joy. Lord, you gave me peace. Lord, you gave me hope. Lord, you're preparing heaven for me. God, you blessed me. When there was no way, you made a way out of no way. When I was in troubled waters, you were a bridge over troubled waters. Where there was no door, you were the door. When I had no friend, you were a friend that stuck closer than a brother. When I needed healing, you were my healer. When I needed saving, you were my savior. And all of a sudden, joy rises up. And my joy is refueled. And my joy is refueled because there's a praise-filled joy in my mouth. Stand with me. My hope is that something I've said today has stirred you up. Please don't, don't, don't check out yet. My prayer is that something I've said has stirred you up to get joy back in your spirit. And, and just as a declaration, I'm going to open this altar in a moment. And, and I just wish with your feet, you'd tell your heart, I have joy. I wish with your mouth, you'd tell your heart, I have joy. 
I wish with your hands you'd tell your heart, I've got something to be joyful about. David got in a place where his joy was bankrupt. Psalm 51, the last thing I'm going to say. And he said, Lord, I need a restoration of joy because I don't have any. And maybe somebody in here today needs that restoration of joy. It's been a year. It's been a season. It's been a valley. It's been a struggle. Maybe somewhere along the way I dropped in that journey. I dropped my joy. Today's your day to pick it back up and never drop it again. You'll go through toil. You'll go through tests. You'll go through trial. But joy needs to accompany that. Joy needs to walk with you. So how many today, as I open this altar, how many would say like David said, Lord, I want a restoration. I want a refueling. I want a refilling of my joy. And if you don't have anything else to have joy in today, have joy in your salvation. Because salvation is undisturbed. It said nobody can pluck you out of the hand of God. So no matter what happens, my salvation is secure. And if angels can rejoice at your salvation, don't you think you ought to rejoice at your salvation? I've got joy. If I don't have joy in anything else, I've got joy in that I've saved and I'm going to heaven. How many have come to the front today? With their feet, tell their heart. Come on, step out. With your feet, tell your heart. I've got joy. With your feet, tell your neighbor. I've got joy. I want us to just sing today. I'm going to open this altar. I want as many as it would just come up front and just declare that joy over their spirit today. And just, just begin to say it over your life. Just begin to speak it until your heart believes it. Say it until your mind believes it. Say, Lord, I've got joy. I've got, I've got a praise in my spirit. Every word of worship with one accord. Every praise. Come on, somebody. Just, just speak it with your mouth. Come on, church, let's step out this morning. Once again, Thank you so much for listening. Share this message with a friend and don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time.